You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast, presented by MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas to break down this Saturday's UFC on ESPN 8 event, which takes place in Jacksonville, Florida. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. MMA Oddsbreaker now has six talented handicappers providing their favorite bets for UFC on ESPN 8 via MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Check out the MMA Oddsbreaker Premium tab on MMAOddsbreaker.com and sign up today. Back to the present, UFC on ESPN 8 features an 11 fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN Plus and ESPN this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on ESPN Plus is a heavyweight contest between Dontel Mays, who is 7-3, and and Rodrigo Nascimento, who is 7-0. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? As always, my quick shout-out before we get rolling here, and make sure you head over to MMAOzBricker.com and click on that Premium Picks tab. As Brian mentioned, we have six very talented handicappers on board right now. If you're looking to make some money for Saturday, hop on board and buy one of their picks or buy all their picks. I mean, these guys are tremendous, like I said, and they will make you some money. These guys are coming off of a tremendous event that they just had on Wednesday. Most of these guys profited pretty well. So like I said, hop on board and check out MMAOzBricker.com and click on our Premium Picks tab. That said, getting right into this fight, a heavyweight fight to start the night off. It's going to be a doozy. Mays open minus 150, Nascimento at plus 130. And right now, looking over at the Don Best screen, we are seeing this fight exactly pick a minus 110 either way. So this fight has shifted a little bit, more action coming in on Nascimento early on. I can understand it. For me, it's a, a pick em type of fight because there's a lot of variables in, the, in this spot and you can't be overconfident. I mean, Mays is looking better. I mean, he's, both these guys are UFC contender vets, by the way, and both of them have had some really good moments on that show. I mean, Mays originally, uh, suffered defeat, then bounced back. He came back and proved that he belongs on this UFC roster, especially in the heavyweight division. So a lot to like about Mays and his improvements. I mean, he's a big boy for this weight class for sure. He's got good striking, has the ability to put you out. His takedown defense is improving and he's just a threat, man. I mean, this guy is definitely no one you can underestimate or overlook for sure. Not Cemento is the wild card though factor for me. He's got that kind of a little bit of uncertainty going for him because there's not a whole lot of footage or information out there to see on him. But what you do see, I mean, you could definitely respect his game overall. I think he's another one of these guys that's on the rise. He's getting better for sure. I think his stand-up game is not bad. I think he's got a ton of power. I mean, he's got good kicks that he blends in with some okay boxing. I think overall on the feet, Mays is probably the better boxer of the two. But I think Nascimento on the ground is where he's going to look to take this eventually and get top position and look to maybe possibly submit Mays or land some ground and pound and punish him here. Um, so I think these guys are big enough and strong enough that they could definitely do some damage back and forth on the feet. But I, I, what's going to sway me a little bit more towards Nascimento is he is ahead of Mays at this point on the ground overall. And I think, again, that's kind of a blueprint for him to kind of get the victory here. So 
not a confident pick, and it's hard to bet at the betting window. In fact, I'm staying away from it. I mean, right now, like I said, a pick is probably appropriately set, but not enough confidence either way to really make a wager on this fight. So I'm staying away. But my pick overall would be Nascimento to win. And I'm going to come in the other way. Now, Nascimento is very talented on the ground, but I don't know if he'll be able to get it there. Um, I haven't seen a lot out of him in terms of uh, takedown ability. And while Mace has had some issues historically with takedown defense, uh, most notably his first UFC uh, contender series fight, it seems like he's put in a lot of work there. Um, it was not easy for Gane to get him down. It was uh, definitely, and Gane, you know, Obviously, Mays did not look great in his UFC debut against Gane, but Gane is one of the best heavyweight prospects that there is. So almost anybody's going to look bad against him, especially if they're making their UFC debut. Now, uh, Mays does hit very hard. He's athletic. He's six foot six. Uh, he's got speed and he's got some decent technique on the feet. So I think he's going to hold his own in the stand up and, uh, actually definitely more than hold his own. He's probably going to be the better by far stand up fighter. Now, Nascimento isn't a complete novice there. I think Nascimento's actually got a, a better kicking game than Mays, so if he can keep it at distance, he could uh, do some damage. Uh, but on the inside or at boxing range, I definitely favor Mays. Um, and Mays definitely has had issues. If he does get put on his back, I think he's in trouble, but will he? And I'm not quite sure he will. Um, you know, Nascimento really has not faced anybody yet, and the only quality win he had was the Contender Series fight, and in that fight, his opponent shot in for a takedown, he reversed it, and got the submission. So we didn't even really get to see how he would have to look if he got pushed to the limit, because his opponent basically gift-wrapped one for him. So, I think uh that as long as Mays can keep this upright, not only can he win, he might even be able to score a knockout. So, my pick is going to be Mays. Now... Dropping down to the women's strawweight division, we have Courtney Casey, who is eight and seven, taking on Mara Romero Barella, who is twelve and seven. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers' perspective on this one? Casey opened minus one fifty-five. The comeback on Barella at plus one thirty-five, and now what we're seeing over at the Dombes screen is currently. Casey minus 150, the comeback, Umbrella plus 130. So line margins have stayed about the same, tighten up a little bit in some spots. Um, but two-way action coming into this fight. You know, right off the rip, you got to say Casey obviously moving up in weight class. Brellas should be a little bit physically stronger. I mean, her grinding type of style is going to be what she needs to win this fight. I think overall, Casey's the much better fighter. I mean, if you look at her striking, Casey can throw her hands. She mixes things up well with her feet. She's got a very good submission game to go along with it. So anywhere the fight takes place, I think Casey's actually a little bit better, minus the grinding and the wrestling ability at times from Barella. So I think that's exactly what's, what it's going to come down to. Can Barella kind of weather the storm? Can she make this an ugly kind of gritty fight, pin Casey up against the floor, maybe get some takedowns and avoid getting submitted by Casey off her back? She can win the fight if so. But overall, I mean, it's hard not to side with Courtney Casey. I think, again, even though she's stepping up in weight class, she's so much better. I mean, if she fights smart here, she should be able to pick Barella apart on the feet and, and you know, maybe even find a sub along the way. I wouldn't be shocked if that happens with Casey. I mean, she's not – at times, I guess, her fight IQ, I mean, you'd like to see a little bit more because she's so capable of finishing fights. And at times, Casey doesn't really do that. But, um, again, in this matchup here, I think it's going to be interesting. And even if it hits the scorecards, I think Casey can win it as well. So if it does hit the cards, though, it's another kind of higher level – you know, women's UFC fight, and we've seen them 
be split decisions more times than not. So I wouldn't be surprised if he hits the cards if this is a really close competitive decision. But overall, again, it's hard not to side with Casey. At the betting window, it's kind of tough for me where the line is right now, though. Again, a, a little bit uncertainty with Casey moving up and the strength differential for Barella. So I'll pick Casey to win, but I'm probably going to avoid this fight as far as the betting standpoint goes. Yeah, Barella really has not impressed me that much inside the octagon. It seems like anytime she's got put in there against somebody that's half decent, uh, she just gets outworked. Um, it happened against Chukagan. It happened against Murphy. It happened against Montana de la Rosa most recently. Um, and this time around, um, while Courtney Casey has t- historically been a uh, straw weight, she was always a very big straw weight. So I think, uh, moving up to, to flyweight should not be much of a problem for her at all. Um, even though Barella probably is still going to be a little bit bigger, I don't think that she'll be able to, to outmuscle her and bully her. Um, and the, one of the things going against Barella has been a, a lack of pace. Like she just does not push a good tempo. Um, and I think Courtney Casey on the feet is going to really be uh, turning up the volume. And I don't think Barella is going to be able to keep up. Um, as Nick said, the only way I really think Barella can win this fight is if she gets ugly with it. It turns it into a clinch battle, tries to put Casey on her back. Um, and as long as she can avoid getting armbarred uh, while Casey's on her back, then maybe Varela could uh, ride out the fight in top position because Casey is a little too comfortable off of her back and she doesn't have amazing takedown defense. So I think that's the best path to victory for Varela. But realistically, I think uh, this is Casey all the way. I just think she's the more skilled fighter. She's definitely better on the feet and more active. And if it goes to decision, which I think it probably will, I see Casey getting the nod. Now, moving up to the featherweight division, we have Darren Elkins, who is 24 and 8, taking on Nate Landwehr, who is 13 and 3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Landwehr opened minus 175, the comeback on Elkins at plus 150, and right now looking over at the Donbass screen, we've seen a drastic change. Right now, it's Elkins currently minus 125, the comeback about plus 105 on Landwehr across the market. And, you know, taking Elkins at that dog money, I can understand it for sure. I mean, he's such a tough guy to fight against. I mean, with his style, again, talk about a gritty grinder. That's what Elkins is. His stand-up's improving for sure, but that pace that he pushes, I mean, that in-your-face, relentless kind of style, the guy's tough as nails in most cases as well. Um, it's just hard to deal with that kind of pressure and that pace that he sets. And, again, having to fight off takedowns along the way, uh, having a good ground game from Elkins. So I get it. I understand why people came in. It's, it is a tough matchup, though, for me, again, right now where the betting window is because – I don't know if I lay the chalk though here, you know, since the line flipped on Elkins, because I think Landwehr, this is a winnable fight for him. I think Landwehr is the better striker overall. I think if he can avoid Elkins just kind of getting the takedowns and grinding him out a little bit, if he could keep his distance, keep the space, I think he can have a lot of success on the feet and kind of mark Elkins up as it goes. So, I mean, you know, I know that Landwehr suffered a defeat in his UFC debut, which was kind of unfortunate and a big disappointment for him. So he's going to be looking to bounce back here and get his official uh, first official win. But man, Elkins is such a tough out. So this is, again, a one I'm going to stay away from at the betting window because it is a winnable fight for Landwehr. I think he is the better overall striker and he could do some damage, no pun intended, on Elkins. Um, but that said, it's hard not to pick Elkins because I think, again, he had that relentless pace, the experience. He's faced a lot of great competition overall. Landwehr has as well. I mean, not in the UFC, obviously, but I mean, he's, he's faced some okay opponents. You can't compare the resumes overall. So I think Elkins is a lot more battle tested at this spot, but I wouldn't be surprised if Landwehr does pull off the victory here. So that's why it's, I'm a little bit tentative here, but I will pick Elkins just as a pick 
um, because I am, like I said, kind of going back and forth on this a, a little bit as well. So my pick is Elkins. It should be a pretty grueling fight for both guys as it goes, though. Yeah, Landwehr is hyper-aggressive on the feet. I mean, he's very entertaining. Um, the problem is it can uh, be aggressive to a fault, and that's what happened in his UFC debut. He uh, was over-eager charging in, and he got blasted with the knee just as he was coming in, and that completely knocked him out cold. Um, so going in there against Darren Elkins, if he comes in with even close to the same strategy, he's in big trouble because – uh, when you're that wild and aggressive and out of control, um, you're just leaving yourself wide open to be countered with a, a, a level change and a takedown. Um, you know, he needs to be under control this time around. He needs to, to measure himself a little bit. Uh, I think maybe it had to do with the, that first UFC fight and just wanting to, to make an impression. But, uh, this time around, I mean, he needs to be more measured because, uh, if he comes in all hyper and crazy, unless he completely blasts Elkins with that first shot and, and hurts him and can turn it up and get the finish, uh, that's, that style's not going to work because Elkins just going to dump him on his ass. Um, you know, Elkins is a terrific wrestler. He's a grinder. He's got that, you know, wrestler's mentality where he just wears you down and, uh, you know, and just outlasts you. And I think that's probably what's going to happen here. Uh, you know, Landwehr will have his moments on the feet. Uh, but Elkins, you know, he's got a little bit of pop. I expect Landwehr to get the better of striking exchanges. But the second this goes to the ground, I mean, it's just going to be Elkins on top doing work. Uh, whether he's uh, working to advance position, looking for a submission, or just looking to beat him up on the canvas. So I just think uh, Elkins is just too experienced and got uh, too much uh, going on with that wrestling that Landwehr's not going to have an answer for it. So my pick is Elkins. Now, sticking with the featherweight division, we have Giga Chikadze, who is nine and two, taking on Erwin Rivera, who is nine and four. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds maker's perspective on this one? Chikadze opened minus 327, the comeback on Rivera at plus 255. This is a fresh line that just recently opened. Um, so, you know, actions yet to be determined overall, but there, it looks like there is some dog action at a couple spots on the screen, the Donbass screen right now. Um, but overall, it looks like minus 330 right now for Shikazi. The comeback on Rivera is around plus 265. So nothing crazy, drastic changes of yet. Um, but like I said, there is a spot, um, that has dropped it under minus 300 right now. And I think you cannot, even though Rivera is coming in on short notice, you can't lay the chalk here on Shikazi because I'm expecting it to be a, a pretty competitive fight in Rivera's game, man. I mean, Shikazi obviously has that, kickboxing background he's very skilled talented on the feet very accurate he mixes things up well i mean he could definitely hurt you i wish he had a little bit more pure knockout power but i mean overall he's a sniper and he could do very well on the feet and, and he has that advantage over rivera here um as a whole he's getting better of course on the ground game and his ground aspect of things as well so chikazi is always improving and and he should be the favorite in this fight for sure i just can't lay the chalk wouldn't even put him in a parlay with this because rivera if you guys don't know about him i mean a, a former titan fc champion obviously in the bantamweight division he is moving up though and wait we should say this. He's taken it on an extremely short notice. I mean, I'm expecting him to be game, though. I mean, what you've seen in the past, this guy has been in wars. Rivera, I'm talking about. Um, so he's going to be he's going to be ready to fight. So I don't think despite it being short notice, I don't think this guy is going to have a real setback in that regard. I think he's going to come to fight. And again, Chikazi might be a little bit of a problem for him on the feet. 
But Rivera is probably the overall better mixed martial artist. I mean, Rivera does have some accuracy, does have a little bit of power on the feet, has some wrestling. Even if you put him on his back, I mean, that's been a problem at times for him in the past. I don't think Chikazi is going to be kind of utilizing that gameplay and all that much. But um, Rivera can even threaten for submissions off his back, too. And, and like I said, and then once he kind of adapts to the fight really well, once a fight gets rolling and he sees, you know, some of the – advantages his opponents have that's one thing i do like about rivera is he seems to adjust well and then you know starts taking over coming back and, and kind of making things a little bit different so and better for him i should say so this is a tough fight um for both guys i think it's going to be a lot more competitive than people probably think i'm going to pick chikazi to win but again you can't lay minus 300 on this fight Rivera's too game for that so despite him moving up in weight class taking this on short notice um you know i, I still think he's going to be very game so my pick is chikazi though i mean i think he realistically should win this fight yeah, Chikadze's had one of the more uninspiring 2-0 and starts to a UFC career that you can think of. Um, he's won both fights by split decision, and uh, neither time he was that entertaining, despite facing guys where, you know, you were almost certain the fight was going to be entertaining. So uh, I'm very interested to see how this plays out, um, because, you know, Chikadze, while he is talented and... Uh, you know, he's been in there against a few decent guys. Um, you know, he's definitely not a world beater. So, uh, if Rivera can really turn it up the pressure and, uh, you know, rise to the occasion, he could pull off the upset. Uh, there's just a lot of uh, uncertainty with him and, uh, Chikaze doesn't know hardly anything about him. So I was surprised, honestly, that when Davis dropped out of the fight, that, uh, Chikaze, uh, accepted an opponent on 24 hours notice and, uh, to be, uh, completely forthcoming, I would have picked Davis to beat Chikadze. So now I had to switch my pick over because, you know, even though Rivera is going to be game, uh, the fact that he's on crazy short notice and moving up a weight class, it's tough to, 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 to back that guy. So I think Chikadze gets enough done on the feet. And as long as he avoids getting put in a really perilous position on the ground, I think he's going to be just fine. But uh, still, it's tough to trust him after such an uninspiring start to his UFC. And he may have perhaps the most uninspiring 3-0 start to a UFC career if he pulls this one out. So my pick is going to be Chikadze. Now, moving up to the middleweight division, we have Kevin Holland, who is 16-5, taking on Anthony Hernandez, who is 7-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Holland opened minus 150, Hernandez at plus 130. Right now, looking over the Don Best screen... Average line's about minus 115 for Hernandez. The comeback minus 105 on Holland. There are some pick exactly out there as well. And this is a pick type of fight. I've been going back and forth on this as well. I think Holland's the type of fighter that's only gotten better um, in a way. You know, I, I've seen the improvements because I've seen him before his UFC career. And, and I think that Holland's one of these guys that's just so athletic. And with his frame and with his styling ability of his fight style and his ability overall, I mean, the guy's tough to deal with and he's faced some really decent competition thus far in his UFC career. Hernandez, though, on the other hand, man, he's a beast as well. He's a little bit underrated. I mean, he's got knockout power in his hands. He's got a very good ground game. He's going to make this fight miserable for Holland as well. So I can understand why people gobbled up the plus money. I mean, that's a way to go. If you're getting plus 130 on either one of these guys, you got to scoop it up. So I could definitely understand why people came in on Hernandez at plus 130. But now where it's at right now, I think it is a better type of spot so it's hard to bet at the betting window so i'm personally going to stay away from this one as well because i could see it play out either way i think overall on the feet holland might have a little bit more success i think hernandez has a little bit more power but holland's a little bit more unorthodox and i think it's going to be with his reach advantage slightly and 
just the overall skill and, and, and like I said, and diverse striking that he has, he can make life miserable for Hernandez a little bit, but he's got to watch that power and respect him. And then I think Hernandez is a little bit more keen on the ground, although Holland has had his moments on the ground as well. Um, so, I mean, we could see some interesting scrambling here out of these two when it hits the ground, but you would think Hernandez is definitely more of a threat. Um, by submission in this spot here. So again, back and forth, I go with this one. It's a really tough one for me to pick. Um, I'm going to go with Holland. Uh, I'll go against the overall, um, I guess, public betting right now because everybody seems to be leaning a little bit more towards Hernandez. I could see that playing out like that. And I, like I said, at plus money, I, I totally get it. But for me as a pure pick goes, I'll lean a little bit more towards Holland. So, I mean, that's my pick. I think he might edge it out if this fight hits the scorecards. I think we could see another split decision type of fight, but I think Holland could uh, probably get it on the card. So my pick is Holland. On paper, Holland has all the tools. I mean, he's got a six-inch reach advantage. He's three inches taller. Um, he's a pretty solid technical striker. But uh, I just have not been impressed by Holland. I mean, it just... It looks great on paper, but when you actually see him in person, it just leaves a lot to be desired. Um, he really has not easily had a UFC win other than maybe John Phillips, who is a, you know, a pretty one trick pony type of fighter. So, uh, the fact that every time else that he's been inside the octagon, I mean, it's been a toss up. Uh, I've, I just have not been able to see him put it all together inside the octagon. Um, he, you know, has issues on the ground too. I think uh, one of his biggest problems is when he goes to the ground, um, and he gets put in a bad position instead of working his way back to the feet, he's constantly looking for sweeps and submissions. And, uh, they're usually low, uh, success rate types of, uh, attacks. And instead he should just be working to get back up. Um, and on the feet, um, at times he just gets outworked by people that are clearly technically inferior to him. So it's just really frustrating to root for this guy. Um, and that's why I've been picking against him lately. And, uh, and that's been working a little bit. Um, now obviously the, the Allen fight, he ended up getting submitted and that's actually one of Anthony Hernandez's biggest strengths. So if strength, if uh, Hernandez can get this fight to the floor, if Holland screws around looking for sweeps or, uh, submissions off of his back, he could end up getting tapped. Um, also on the feet, while Holland should definitely have the edge here, um, Hernandez is going to kind of make up for that lack of technique with uh, a lot of aggression. And Holland really isn't going to be able to open up easily because it'll leave uh, the door open for takedowns. So I think uh, even though Hernandez is still uh, a bit raw, um, I, I really like that kind of youthful exuberance that we have out of him. Because he made up for a, a a tough UFC debut and went out there and took care of business the last time we saw him. So uh, I think uh, Hernandez can hold his own on the feet just by being more aggressive and kind of forcing Holland to fight off his back foot. And if Holland does open up, I think uh, Hernandez is going to find an opportunity to take him down. So I think uh, Hernandez can win a decision just by being the aggressor. But I also think he could uh, pick up a submission just like uh, Allen did against Holland the last time out. So my pick is going to be Hernandez. Now moving down to the welterweight division, we have Matt Brown, who is 22 and 16 taking on Miguel Beza, who is eight. No. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds makers perspective on this one? Beza opened minus 170 to come back on Brown at plus 130. Immediately Beza got steamed up and it was over minus 200 for a little while. Then we started seeing some action come back on Brown. And now we're seeing it at the Don Best screen right now. Currently 
minus 150 for Bays of the comeback, plus 130 for Brown. So line margins have tightened up a little bit, and there is two-way action on this fight, despite it dropping. It's just a lot of more sharp action coming in on Matt Brown. Um, you know, I confirmed that for sure, and I understand it as well, to be honest with you. I mean, this is an interesting spot because you have the young gun that's coming in here, undefeated, um, the, definitely the prospect in Beza taking on a savvy vet in Brown. And, you know, looking closer at this fight and seeing why the sharp action is pounding Brown, I mean, you could kind of tell. Beza is definitely a tremendous talent. I mean, he's got speed. He's got athleticism. He's only going to get better for sure, fight by fight, as he gains experience. But that's just it. I mean, if you look at his resume and who he's fought, this is a huge step up in competition for Beza. And Brown is by far the toughest opponent he's fought. The only concern with Brown is, I mean, his age, obviously. He's going to be slowing down. I mean, he's almost 40 years old. So even though, I mean... He's been durable throughout his career, and he's a warrior. You could definitely see the advantages Beza has as far as, like I said, the speed. Those leg kicks that he has are going to be nasty. Um, you got to be concerned a little bit with Brown, you know, if Beza decides to go to the body a little bit as well because we've seen Brown get hurt in the past like that. But, man, he's so tough. Brown never quits, and that's a difference maker here in this fight as well. I think even if Beza's starting to have a little bit of success, Brown's going to be right there, man, and Brown's going to be coming for him, and he's going to make this an ugly, gritty type of fight that Beza has never seen before. I mean, Brown mixes things up so well. He hurts you with his elbows. I mean, he's got that accuracy with his punching, and he's got a good high kicks and, you know, kicking game in his own right as well. So this is going to go back and forth. I mean, again, the speed advantage and the youth advantage definitely lies with Beza, but the overall experience, Brown has been in there with killers, man, throughout his career. I know he took some time off, basically retired for a while. He's coming back. And his two performances as he returned, I mean, people were expecting him to win those fights. So nothing that really, I guess, overly boast about, right? I mean, Brown was supposed to win those fights. I mean, he had some good good moments and bad, more good, obviously. I mean, in that Saunders fight going to the ground and kind of fiddling with uh, Saunders on the ground, I don't think was the smartest game plan, but yeah, you got to credit Brown because he survived it. Um, the submission attempts and he ended up just destroying Saunders with the ground and pound. So that's what I mean. Brown has those slick, slick kind of takedowns as well. Um, you don't expect that he'll trip you down to the ground. Once he gets on top, he's just relentless with some of his punishment that he dishes out. And if you look at Beza, I mean, that's one thing. He doesn't really stay busy enough at times for me, right? So he's going to be fighting at Brown's tempo, I think, more so than not. And if that's the case, Brown's going to have his moments, and he's going to be able to kind of pick Beza apart and then pour it on at some, some point. And Beza has been hit in the past. You've seen it. He's been busted up a little bit. Um, even though he's had great success, like I said, so far in his career, this is just a different beast that he's facing in Brown, and you can really see it on film. I mean, go back and watch as many fights as you can from both fighters, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. So can Beza win this fight? Absolutely. He can go in there and maybe just, you know, rock Brown off the get-go and, and finish him off fairly quickly. I wouldn't be shocked. I think he should be a very slight favorite in this spot because, again, the age factor. And obviously, we're not getting a Matt Brown that's going to be in his prime at this point. But maybe around minus 130, even money, minus 120, even money. I mean, a very slight favorite for Beza. That should be more of the accurate line here. But, again, if you were getting plus 130, plus 140, plus 150 and above, I can understand why the sharp opinion is on Brown. So I'm actually going to pick Brown straight up as well. I just think Beza hasn't faced a guy of the caliber of Brown thus far, and maybe he gets it done here, and, and, and we could say that, you know, finally he got a really solid win over, you know, a very good opponent, a proven savvy vet like Brown, but I'm not so sure he'll get it. I think Brown's going to make life miserable for Beza as it goes. Um, Beza hasn't really been tested even going deep in fights too much. I mean, on the Contender Series he did, that was probably his toughest test to date, but in that fight he did have some problems over a very game opponent as well. And, and I don't think that opponent obviously was on the level of Brown. So with all that being said, it's dog or pass. Um, still a little bit of room uh, to wiggle on, on the betting market right now. 
But I wouldn't be surprised if more public action comes in and hits Beza and we can see this line kind of fluctuating back and forth. And I do have friends that have a very good, strong opinion on Beza that are going against some of the sharp money. So there's going to be sharp opinions on both sides of this as well. So I can respect that. I, I totally get it. But for me, I mean, after what I've seen, you know, putting the work in, like I said, I think it's Brown or pass in my opinion. So I'm going to go with Matt Brown to get the win here. And I'm actually right with you here. Uh, you know, Matt Brown is still, even at 39 years old, extremely dangerous. I mean, this guy can get in there and brawl with just about anybody. And, um, unless you're a very precise striker, uh, you're going to have a problem against him. Uh, we've seen it time and time again. Um, when Brown is aggressive and in your face, it's tough to get comfortable. I mean, he's, he's the type of fighter that just puts a ton of pressure on his opponents and is lethal with his knees, with his elbows, with his hands, with his feet. Uh, a true, you know, eight tier, uh, you know, type of a, a fighter where, you know, every limb and appendage is, can be capable of finishing a fight. Now, that's not to say that, uh, Beza is, in big trouble here because I mean, the guy clearly is a rising up and coming, uh, stud in the welterweight division. Um, and he looked tremendous in that UFC debut, just tearing apart Aldana's legs, uh, and getting the, the TKO victory. So if he can get some space and land some monster leg kicks against Matt Brown, who has definitely lost a step and whose chin isn't quite what it used to be. Um, he could definitely wear Brown down and take him out. Um, if he lands one of those kicks and just brings it up a few inches and cracks him in the body, he could also, you know, finish him there. Uh, Brown has historically definitely had some trouble when he gets hit in the body. So, uh, you know, Beza is definitely the, the younger, you know, uh, quicker, more reactive fighter, but, uh, I also think that he is a little bit overrated. I think uh, he has some bad habits uh, with his striking defense. I think um, his technique isn't re really that refined. He kind of relies a lot more on uh, speed and athleticism. And I think, uh, you know, if Brown fights his fight and forces Beza to fight his fight, I think uh, Brown can get the win and not just win, but, you know, finish Beza. So... Um, you know, you gotta remember even when Beza was fighting to get into the UFC, it was a, not a very good Tuesday night contender series. Every fight went to decision and, uh, you know, Dana ended up giving Beza the shot and you gotta remember Aldana, uh, that was the fourth fight in a row that he lost. Uh, if you factor in an exhibition from the ultimate fighter. So, you know, this was a guy that was basically fed to the wolves to make Beza look good. And I think people are kind of believing the hype a little bit too much on Beza, so Beza could definitely win, especially if he can exploit a few of uh, Brown's weaknesses with his defense. But I really think uh, as long as Brown crowds him and uh, gets aggressive and in Beza's face, I, I think Beza's going to have a, a, a tough night. So my pick is going to be Brown. Now, moving on to the main card and dropping down to the featherweight division, we have Song Yadong, who is 15-4-1 taking on Marlon Vera, who is 17-5-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Yadong opened minus 175, the comeback on Vera at plus 150. And right now what we're seeing on the Donbass screen is Yadong at minus 190, the comeback on Vera at plus 160. 
this should be a great fight. I mean, there is two way action coming into this fight because Vera is going to get some support always. I mean, the guy's a very good fighter, um, but it's creeping up a little bit more towards Yadong. Um, it's kind of been going back and forth a little bit as far as line movement. Um, so it, again, at the betting window, it's a little bit tricky, I think, for most people. But this should be an awesome fight because I got nothing but respect for Marlon Vera. I mean, early on in his career, I really wasn't all that high on him, meaning that I, I didn't think he was – I thought he was a little bit overrated. I, I didn't really respect his game overall. But, man, I've seen him put in the work, and I've seen his this recent stint that he's on. He's been nothing but great. I mean, I think he's a threat everywhere the fight takes place. He's made himself one of the best featherweights in the division right now because he can beat you on the feet. He's got enough – you know, knockout power a little bit. He shows a diverse skill set on the feet where he makes up his kicks and his punches well enough. And he's pretty accurate with his striking to the point where obviously on the ground, man, he's got those sneaky good submissions as well. And his takedown defense is getting better. But with all that said, Yadong, man, is a different beast of his own right. I think that statement fight, obviously he could have won that fight. I know it's a draw and it's disappointing for his resume, so to speak. But overall, this is a guy that's just getting better. I mean, and you could see the tenacity in his overall game. I mean, the guy's a physically strong fighter. He's got knockout power in the feet. Um, he's got a wrestling game that could definitely control this fight against Vera as well. And the guy's never been submitted in his career. So I think his ground defense is savvy enough not to get caught by one of Vera's submission attempts either. So this is Yadong's fight to control, I think, overall. I think he's going to be landing the harder punishment on the feet. So I think he can win the striking battles. I think he can mix it up and control, like I said, the tempo of this fight by even maybe pushing and controlling Vera up against the cage a little bit, getting some takedowns. So on the scorecards, even though it'll be competitive at times, I see Yadong winning. And I mean, Vera's a tough guy, so it's very difficult to stop a guy like Vera. But man, Yadong has that power as well. So you can't put him, put it past him that he might not get a finish here either. So I do like what I see with Yadong. I think the sky's the limit. I personally already got some action on Yadong, um, not too long ago at minus 170 ish. So I, I took the kind of the lower price as it's going up. Nothing crazy here. Um, of course, because like I said, you got to respect Vera's game, but I think Yadong could be some parlay material for those of you guys looking for a, a parlay piece out there. Um, because I do think this is a good matchup. And again, I have nothing but respect for Vera. I think he's getting better and this is going to be a fight. It's not going to be a walk in the park for Yadong. That's for sure. But overall, it's hard not to like Yadong in this spot. I think he's the right side. And I think, again, under might be minus 200, there's probably a little bit of value left uh, on Yadong as well. So I'm picking Yadong to win. And I think he probably looks impressive in a, what should be a very tough, but good fight for him, really. I'm a big fan of uh, Song Yadong. I mean, the kid is, he hits hard. He's aggressive. He's got technique and he kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I, I think that he could be, uh, the next big, uh, Chinese star potentially after obviously, uh, you know, the, 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 fl- the strawweight champion. So Yadong heading in here against Vera. This is a battle of two guys with a ton of momentum. Uh, Vera's looked really good lately. His, uh, striking's been on point. He's improved his power. His kicking game is solid. Um, and he's always kind of been a little bit dangerous if it goes to the ground with submissions, but, um, I think uh, Vera needs a little bit of space to really get to work. And uh, Yadong is another one of those fighters that is aggressive, moved forward. Uh, I've just been really, really impressed with uh, what he does when he gets in the pocket, just because he hits so hard. And, uh, you know, looking at the statistics here, uh, Yadong also will uh, throw in a few takedowns every once in a while. And uh, Vera's takedown defense is not very good. And I do not think that, uh, even though Vera does have uh, a decent, uh, grappling game off of his back, I don't think he could tap out Yadong from his back. So if it goes to the floor, I see Yadong uh, getting top positioning, keeping it. And, uh, on the feet, I just think Yadong is, uh, the more aggressive fighter. He has better striking defense. Um, you know, Vera's a little bit better in terms of, uh, 
accuracy, but to get that accuracy, he leaves himself exposed and he actually gets hit more often than he hits. So I think that that just leads to a perfect opportunity for Yadong to really turn it up a notch on the feet as well. So I see Yadong winning this fight on the feet. I see Yadong winning this fight if it goes to the floor. I just see him winning it just about everywhere. Uh, I just think he's young and he's super talented and young. You got to remember that he's like, what, 20, 21, 22 years old. So a very bright future for Song Yadong. And I think that uh, this is the type of fight that could uh, propel him into a potential uh, top 15 or top 10 ranking even. So my pick is going to be Song Yadong. Now, moving up to the middleweight division, we have Eric Anders, who is 13 and 4, taking on Christoph Jatko, who is 21 and 4. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? This fight opened a pick, minus 110 either way. Jotko minus 110, Anders minus 110. And right now what we're seeing over at the down best screen is currently minus 150 for Jotko. The comeback on Anders at plus 130. Not surprised by that. I mean, Jotko is definitely the more fine-tuned in that regard fighter. I mean, I think he's definitely the more technical fighter. I think he's the more talented fighter of the two. I mean, he's the better mixed martial artist. So there's no question. And I understand why people are coming in. Jotko, uh, you know, I was pretty high on him. We were just talking about Vera. I kind of underrated him early in his career. Well, I think I overrated Jotko a little bit uh, early on in his career. I mean, I saw the potential in him. And then, you know, he suffered that three-fight losing skid. Again, you can understand it, I guess. But overall, I mean, defensively, the guy lets you down sometimes. And obviously, he's a bit chinny. And you don't like to see that. So, I mean, my trust factor, even though he's won two in a row now and he's looked okay, he's bounced back and looked pretty good. I still don't trust the guy and I can't trust the guy. Uh, and Anders, on the other hand, you can see a lot of this. You can say a lot of the same stuff about Anders. I mean, early on in his career, I, I think that man, sky was the limit for him. You could see the athleticism. Obviously, I mean, coming from the football background that he had, it, it's converted well because he's just absorbed the mixed martial arts game really well. I mean, the guy has really strong wrestling capabilities at times. He's got knockout power on the feet and he's capable of pushing a high pace. But as his career's progressed, I mean, he's had his, his ups and downs big time and he's been a lot more inconsistent than I was expecting with him. So I'm not sure what's up with Anders, but I haven't liked what I've seen overall. And he actually went on a three-fight losing skid. Again, it's a really good competition overall for the most part, and then bounced off two straight wins too. So these guys are in similar positions. I mean, both of them coming off um, two wins in a row after losing three. So kind of mirror images of each other in a way as far as the records go. So this is a tough fight for me, even at the, at the betting window as well. Um, I don't think you could personally bet Jotko because I think he could be winning this fight. I think he probably does win if this fight hits the scorecards. I think he can outpoint Anders and get the decision win here, but I don't have a lot of faith in him. I mean, if Anders lets his hands go, even if he's losing the fight, I think he could possibly knock Jotko out. And I, I don't know if I could say that. I mean, I, unless Anders wears down quickly, Jotko might be able to knock Anders out, but I do have more confidence that Anders is going to be more threat, even if he's not the better striker of the two on the feet with his knockout power. And then Anders overall, as far as wrestling goes, I think he's going to be a hard guy for Jotko to take down. So he's going to be able to probably keep this fight upright for the most part, or even kind of scramble back up to his feet if there is a quick takedown or whatnot. And then, you know, like I said, keep working a little bit. But again, the cardio and conditioning of Anders at times has been a little bit lackluster for me, so it's hard to trust him as well. But at the betting window, make no mistake, I am going against everybody that's actually laying the chalk right now on Jotko. I don't care if you guys win the decision. I don't care if you win this fight. 
I can't trust Jocko right now. He's going to have to prove to me and, and kind of roll off maybe three or four solid wins before I can get back on his wagon because I'm off his wagon right now. For me, it's a dog or pass situation. I think Anders can win this fight. I think even if he hits the scorecards, I think this can be competitive too. Now, it's not like Jocko is a sure thing on the scorecards. I'm not saying that either. I think Anders could maybe steal a close split decision type of fight there too. But I think he also has the inside track to maybe even finish Jocko. So it's a dog or pass situation for me. Um, and I guess I'll pick Anders straight out to win as well. Again, obviously you can see I'm a little hesitant with the straight pick because like I said, I think if it hits the cards more times than not, Jocko probably edges it out, but I'll go against the grain. I'll pick Anders straight out to win this fight. Hopefully he shows up and his conditioning is, you know, going to last him and, and kind of withstand the three round pace because Jocko will probably be there. He does tend to slow down a little bit as the fight goes too, but I still favor Jocko in that regard. So should be a grueling fight for both guys. Should be a tough fight. Interesting one. I'll lean a little bit more towards Anders, though, and it is a dog or pass situation. So be careful if you're betting this fight out there. Yeah, as Nick mentioned, um, Anders has had his issues with, uh, in terms of getting, uh, in big wars and taking a lot of damage. Um, you know, he looked like he was going to be the next big thing when, uh, on short notice, he went in there against Machida and went five rounds and lost a split decision. Um, but then that three fight losing streak, including, uh, not just that he got the crap kicked out of them by Tiago Santos, uh, the third loss in a row in particular. I mean, he got dropped like four times against Roundtree. He took a ton of damage in that fight. Um, now it's great that he's back at middleweight because I do think that he's stronger there, but I didn't think he looked very good in his last fight against, uh, Mearshard. I mean, you could argue that he got outstruck by Mearshard in the final two rounds and should have lost a decision. Uh, he ended up winning a split decision, but I mean, that really could, could have gone either way, even though Mearshart is not a very good striker. So, uh, I was not impressed at all by his performance. Now, uh, Jotka was a guy that went on a nice little run in the middleweight division, but it seems like he definitely uh, ran out of steam. Uh, that being said, he still is a solid overall technical striker. And, uh, even though he doesn't hit that hard, um, he usually does enough to, to win a decision. Um, the problem is, uh, you know, he can get knocked out. So in terms of uh, chin strength, even though Anders has been hurt a lot, um, he does tend to recover. Uh, I mean, the only time he's been finished was they, they stopped it in between rounds in the loss to Tiago Santos, who went on to fight for the light heavyweight title and have a competitive fight against John Jones. So that's no shame at all. But he does get hit a lot. And, uh, Anders does take a lot of damage. So I can see Jotko outworking and outpointing and outscoring Anders, uh, over the course of three rounds to win a decision. But my big concern is I think Anders hits harder than Jotko and Jotko, when he gets hit hard, he doesn't bounce back like Anders does. So he could get finished, even though he could be winning this fight. So. Uh, I think this is going to be an interesting uh, contest. I expect it to stay standing for the most part. But, and uh, if it does, I expect Jotko to be getting the better of of Anders because Anders, you know, even though he does, uh, he can take it a little bit better than Jotko, uh, his defense is not as good as Jotko's either. So I think he just is going to get be getting hit a lot over the course of three rounds and he's going to have to try to make up for the, the technique disadvantage with his, you know, elite athleticism and speed and power. And he could do that. He could absolutely blast Jocko. We've seen Jocko, uh, you know, be looking good in fights and then get cracked. Uh, it happened against Uriah Hall. 
Um, you know, he ended up getting knocked out in the third round by uh, Brad Tavares, who isn't historically a heavy hitter. So uh, I could totally see Anders getting a win by knockout. But I think up until that point happens, I think uh, Jotko will be on his way to winning a decision. So I'm going to go on the side that thinks uh, Jotko can pull this out. So Jotko will be my pick. Now dropping down to the featherweight division, we have Edson Barboza, who is 20 and 8, taking on Dan Ige, who is 13 and 2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Barboza minus 140, Ige plus 120. And right now over the Donbass screen, we are seeing minus 130 for Barboza, Ige plus 110. So again, line margins have tightened up in most spots. And there is two way action coming in this fight. It's been bouncing back and forth because it creeped down to almost a pick, and then Barboza's starting to get some action here uh, as we get closer to fight day. I mean, right off the rip, what could you say about Barboza? By far, he's the better fighter as far as the striking game goes here. There's no question about it. He's going to have some size. He's going to have some reach. I mean, he's fought at who's who. He's only lost a top-shelf competition throughout his UFC career at lightweight, and now he's making the drop to featherweight, which he made weight. So, um, And he looked okay, you know, so you got to – you take your hat off for Barboza, you know, and this might be the perfect dis- division for him. I mean, it's yet to be determined, obviously. And I like the matchmaking here. The UFC is doing a pretty good job because, man, Ige's been a beast. He's been on the rise for sure. Underrated. I mean, another guy that I kind of underrated a little bit early on his career, especially after that Arce loss. Uh, Arce was able to pick him apart and a, a better classier or classic striker or whatnot. I mean, a better diverse striker was able to have a lot of success on Ige. And, and that's what you could see here with Barboza. Obviously, he's by far the better, the more technical, just the more outstanding striker of the two. I mean, Ige has never faced a guy on, on Barboza's level. I mean, not yet, even though he's faced some decent competition as of late. But I still don't have a lot of confidence in Barboza in this fight. I mean, he's a bit chinny. We all know that. That's been an issue throughout his career, even though, you know, he's he's still been able to kind of weather that storm at times and, and perform really well against hard hitters too. So it's not just because you have power, you're going to get Barboza out of there. I mean, the guy's still showed a lot of life left. I don't think he's totally washed up or anything like that, but man, he's, he's just taken so much punishment um, through his last little stint that that's not going to bode well uh, for him as, as his career progresses, even at featherweight. So, I mean, there's a lot of question marks here for me and Barboza, but make no mistake. He is definitely the better and more skilled striker. He's very difficult to take down. I know, again, the likes of Khabib, Kamali, or whatnot, people have taken him down and had a little bit more success recently. And Ige is that type of fighter, too. I mean, he's going to be able to kind of look for those takedowns. He's going to try to stay in Barboza's face. Um, and, and he maybe make this a gritty type of fight, get some takedowns, and maybe expose Barboza on the ground a little bit. But um, outside of that, though, Ige can also present a lot of problems with his knockout power. I mean, a lot of people I don't think are talking about that. But, man, even though Ige hasn't finished everybody that he's went up against recently, he's hurt basically everybody he's fought. I mean, he's got enough knockout power you know, in his hands that he can make life miserable for Barboza there too. Even if he's losing the striking battle, I mean, if he gets inside and just starts, you know, letting go with his hands a little bit, he could touch Barboza's chin and make this um, an ugly fight for Barboza in that regard too. So for me, it's personally a dog or pass situation. Um, I don't think you could bet Barboza at the betting window here, despite him being the, uh, the bigger um, and, and by far the better striker here. And he probably has enough takedown defense to keep this upright. So I can understand it. And there's been a lot of smart and sharp opinions coming in on Barboza. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets it done. I'm actually going to pick Barboza to win this fight. But again, for me at the betting window, I don't necessarily agree with it. I wouldn't lay chalk in this spot. I think it's, it's Ige or pass. Um, I've been nothing but impressed with Ige, but um, I mean, I have a feeling that this might be too big of a step up in competition because Barboza has been just a world-class fighter underrated throughout most of his UFC career. So maybe Ige is biting off more than he could chew in this spot. So from a pure pick perspective, I'll go Barboza. 
But as far as the betting window goes, I'm not that confident, man. I wouldn't be surprised. Again, Ige just continues to get better and impress. So I think he's on the rise, and Barboza is a little bit more questionable at this point of his career, even though he's a better fighter. So big step up in competition for Ige. Let's see how it goes. My pick, though, would be Barboza. And uh, there's just a lot of question marks here. You know, Barboza's taken a lot of damage now in his career. Um, You know, he still is an elite, dominant striker, but he needs space to work. And uh, dropping down to featherweight when you've had issues with your chin coming off of a Bruno knockout loss at lightweight, um, I'm not quite sure why he's doing this. Um, Usually, uh, you know, people lately at least have been moving up in weight and having success because, uh, you know, their chin gets stronger. Um, you know, they're not having to cut as much. Maybe, uh, they have a little bit more energy. Um, they're not draining themselves as badly. Uh, maybe even pack on a little bit of power, but, uh, Barbosa's going the other direction. And, you know, when that happens, yes, you can have a size and strength advantage. We've seen some fighters have some success dropping down, but, uh, historically it hurts your cardio. It hurts your chin, uh, you're draining yourself even more. He did make weight, so that is something that I was keeping an eye on. But, man, you know, he was a pretty big uh, lightweight, so this could not have been easy for him. Um, and, you know, Dan Ige, this is a guy that I've slept on. You know, at first I thought that he was a pretty uh, one-dimensional fighter, but um, I've been impressed with the improvements he's made on the feet. You know, he's not a world beater uh, with technique, but he puts some good pressure on his opponents. He's aggressive. He, as Nick said, he has a little bit of pop in his hands. So if he crowds Barbosa, uh, and doesn't give Barbosa space to work with those, you know, that elite kicking game of his, you know, Barbosa's, uh, feet are just insane. I mean, he's got more leg kick finishes than any other fighter in UFC history. He's got some just insane spinning wheel kick knockouts. So, uh, if you give this guy space to operate, you're in big trouble. But, you know, the way Dan Ige fights, I don't see him doing that. I see him crowding Barbosa, getting in his face, um, looking to, to crack that chin, and then uh, changing levels and looking for takedowns as well. You know, this is a guy that is a very well-rounded uh, mixed martial artist. And uh, if he fights the way that he needs to fight to, to keep Barbosa from having room to operate, I think he could... Uh, potentially win a decision without having to finish Barbosa, uh, just from uh, frustrating Barbosa. Uh, but uh, especially if he can get inside and, and crack Barbosa, I think that you know that chin is just ready to go uh, at featherweight. So uh, as Nick said, Ige's been hurting a lot of people, but if he gets in and, and cracks Barbosa, I think that this could potentially be his first TKO win. So even though Barbosa is by far the more technical striker. I think, uh, you know, Ige could make up for that with aggression and pressure. So my pick is going to be Ige. I think that he spoils Barbosa's featherweight debut. Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening in the women's strawweight division, we have Claudia Gadelia, who is 17 and 4, taking on Angela Hill, who is 12 and 7. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Gadelia opened minus 210 to come back on Hill at plus 180. And right now looking over at the Donbass screen, we are seeing minus 210 plus 175-ish. So again, that's kind of a more consensus number overall. There's minus 220s plus 180s. And as far as the opening line goes at times, I mean, it basically varies. I know there's sportsbooks all around the globe. So 
I mean, different places open different numbers at times. So I've even seen this spot open, like this fight open a lot closer to a pick 'em with Gadelia being a slight favorite in that spot. And at that price, of course, you got to bet Gadelia. I mean, so again, just take it for what it's worth as far as opening lines go. There's a lot of different opening opening lines floating around out there um, these days. So, but that said, minus 200 seemed to be obviously a pretty solid opener overall. And I mean, stylistically, this is a nightmare matchup for Hill. Gadelia is one of those fighters that, man, she's just been overall through her career, one of the best fighters, I really think. I mean, you know, at the 115-pound weight class in the UFC, she's been just really a top-tier fighter that has so much talent. She's let you down, though, at times, though, with her conditioning. That's that's what it, where it's at with her. I mean, if she had those kind of areas or her flaws in check, she could be championship caliber material for sure. I mean, we once seen her kind of make a run towards that title. It just didn't work out for her, but she's got the skill set to be champion for sure. I mean, she's so well-rounded overall, even for being a more grappling based fighter, she's got a little bit of power on her feet and she's not afraid to kind of get out there and mix things up and, and throw down a little bit. She could be effective with her stand-up game, but make no mistake here against Angela Hill. She doesn't want to play that game all that much because Hill is by far the better technical striker. If this fight plays out on the feet, Hill should probably start taking over. I think Adelia is going to be actually pretty close and competitive, especially early on in this fight, even if it is on the feet. But Hill is a more technical striker. She's improved so much. She's become much more than a striker, in my opinion, meaning she's kind of filled out some of the holes that she's had um, as she, her UFC career progresses. Obviously, her go-to is definitely still the striking, but her takedown defense is getting better. Her ground defense is getting better. So she's improving in all areas. And with Gadelia kind of fading as the fight progresses at times, I mean, this is a winnable fight for Hill, especially as it hits the scorecards. I mean, this is probably going to be another split decision type of fight if it does hit the card. So if you guys are betting this fight, that's something to keep an eye out for, though. But game plan is everything. And Gadelia's camp, if they don't tell her to shoot right in, I mean, mix things up at first for the first, obviously, little bit and, and try to get inside and close that gap with her hands, but get the takedown. She's more than capable of getting this fight to the floor. And once she has this on the floor, I think you look to take Hills back and, and submit her. I mean, it's it's a very clear path to me how Gadelia can win this fight, and she should win this fight by that. I know Hill, again, has improved her takedown defense. She's not the easiest person to submit as much right now, but that is the blueprint. And, I mean, they got to know that. And you don't want to mess around at all. Just get this fight to the ground and be dominant and get a W there on the ground. Because I think Adelia is definitely levels above Hill in that aspect of things still. I know Godelia has struggled lately with getting some takedowns and not it hasn't been as dominant at times. But if you go back, look at the Esparza fight. I mean, against a really solid wrestler in Esparza, Godelia was able to have success even in the wrestling department there. So she's capable of getting Hill to the floor. She's capable of submitting Angela Hill as well. Will she do it? I mean, like I said, it's inconsistencies throughout her career, but talent-wise, she's one of the best for sure in the division. So I like Gadelia. I think there's probably a little bit of value out there with Gadelia by submission because, I mean, like I said, I mean, that is clearly the path to victory for her, and I think her coaches are going to – be really foolish if they don't tell her to, to try to definitely implement that game plan right away. Now, does she do it? We'll see how much improvement Hill's made. I think she is capable. That's why I'm going to pick a daily to win this fight. And again, maybe another parlay piece if you guys are looking for somebody to throw in a parlay. But be careful because as the, the value kind of creeps up a little bit, goes out the window. As the price creeps up, I should say, the value goes out the window. So already, I mean, if you were getting on board under minus 200, I totally understand it. I think there was value straight and parlay material. But as it creeps up to 210, 215, 220, obviously, if, if, if it's not, there's no value in the straight bet, then there's really no reason to parlay it either at times. So be careful. But I still think it's kind of on that spot right now where you could maybe throw into a small parlay or whatnot. But if this fight hits the scorecards, you guys that parlay, this will probably be sweating. So just make no mistake about that either, right? So Gadelia, it's her fight to win or lose. I think she does get it done. I just don't think Hill's caught up at this point. So 
it's not a dog or pass situation. I think it's more of a favorite or pass situation. My pick is Gedalia to win. And I'm right with you. Um, on the feet, yeah, Hill's the better fighter. Gedalia's had her moments on the feet, but the fact that uh, she's been repeatedly hurt in the stand-up and uh, that Gedalia just tends to slow down and wing shots um, in the stand-up, you know, I just, I'm not impressed with her as a stand-up fighter. And Angela Hill, you know, she can bring the pain at this state standing. So if Gedalia screws around and turns this into a stand-up fight, I could see her losing a decision or even getting knocked out. But Gedalia has some of the strongest uh, top game and, and takedowns in the women's strawweight division. I would say the only person that is a better pure ground fighter than her is probably, you know, Tatiana Suarez. But um that being said, said she needs to implement it because, you know, Angela Hill has had her issues against really strong ground fighters. Um, historically, you go back and you see uh, her getting uh, finished with uh, by Random Marcos with an arm bar. You see her getting uh, finished by Rosnama Yunus uh, with a rear naked choke. Uh, Tisha Torres took her down. Carla Esparza choked her out back on uh, the fighter way at the beginning of her career. But um, you know, so when people have a stronger ground game than her and take her down and put her in a bad position, she tends to get submitted. So if I'm Claudia Gadelia, I don't screw around at all. I get in there and put her on her butt and try to work for a submission through a dominant position. Um, you know, the last time we really saw Gadelia implement that was against Carolina Kavalkiewicz and it was worked to perfection. I mean, that was one of the most dominant uh, one-sided elite performances of her entire career. And we really haven't seen her implement it quite to that same level ever since, not even really close. But this is a perfect opportunity to really showcase what she can do on the ground because uh, Gedalia can definitely be a beast on the canvas. And uh, I think that this is the, the, the right time to do it. So my pick is going to be Gedalia, but if she screws around, um, this could get interesting in a hurry. Now, this brings us to the main event of the evening in the heavyweight division. We have Alistair Overeem, who is 45 and 18, taking on Walt Harris, who is 13 and 7. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Harris opened minus 150, the comeback on Overeem minus, or plus 130. And right now, looking over at the Donbass screen, we are seeing minus 140 for Harris, plus 120 in Overeem. So two-way action coming into this fight overall. Um, line kind of creeped up a little bit for Harris. Now we're seeing it drop back down a little bit as we get closer to fight day for Overeem. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it bump back up a little bit because I think overall the public opinion is going to be siding with Harris. I mean, you know what? First, let's get it out of the way. I mean, you got to feel for Harris, what he's went through mentally. I mean, with the stress of of losing his daughter, his stepdaughter like he did. I mean, that's just – I mean, what could you say? you got to feel for the guy. I mean, I, I would never want anybody to have to go through that. I mean, like I said, I can't really imagine what that what that's like. So – Mentally, we're not sure where he's at. I mean, part of me thinks he's going to be out here just looking to just destroy over him, of course, because he's going to have that chip on his shoulder. He's going to be kind of wanting to just kill everything in sight, so to speak, because, I mean, I'm sure he's got a lot of, you know, build up frustration and anger um, that he wants to take out and over him. So I get it. But again, mentally speaking, if, if he's not smart here, this could be a, a nightmare matchup for him. So Harris has the explosiveness on the feet. He's getting better. He deserves this main event slot. I mean, the guy's fun to watch and he's improved throughout his UFC career. You could see it. I mean, the guy's definitely a 
threat. He's capable of knocking Overeem out. Overeem has been a little bit suspect, um, obviously, with his chin throughout his career. That's one of the biggest problems that you have with Overeem is against talented strikers at times. I mean, he, you know, they could get through and knock, catch that chin and knock him out. So we've seen that too often with Overeem, and that's definitely the legit threat here. But Overeem is by far the better fighter still. I mean, Walt Harris has, like I said, closed the gap a little bit overall, but Overeem is by far the better fighter, meaning that he's the more well-rounded mixed martial artist. He's got by far the better ground game. He's got really good striking offensively in his own right. I mean, he's been pacing himself a little bit better. He's been fighting a lot smarter in that regard as well, and he's got knockout power. So Overeem can win this fight by knockout. I mean, Harris isn't exactly – I mean, he's, he's pretty solid overall, but he's a bit chinny at times too. So I think Overeem could knock Harris out if they start exchanging. I mean, the speed factor for Harris is going to be there. He's going to have the advantage. So I think Overeem's blueprint here is to probably get this fight down to the ground as soon as possible and then exploit Harris on the ground, which is still a weakness for Harris. I mean, again, he's improving and he's getting better, but really that's a path to victory. It's clear as day for me that Overeem could do that. He he has uh, underrated wrestling. He's going to be able to kind of follow the blueprint. We've seen him use it more recently, which is very smart. Um, I think Overeem needs to continue to, to, to kind of have that brain set and, and meaning that, you know, get these fights to the ground, especially against dangerous knockouters like a guy like Harris. So I think the the path to victory is very clear for me. I mean, Overeem comes in and gets his fight to the ground and then should be able to, like I said, honestly handle Harris pretty easy. I think Overeem has vicious ground and pound. I think Overeem could possibly even win by submission on the ground once it gets there. So that's a blueprint. I'm going to side with Overeem here. I, I mean, again, I, I know it's a little bit scary because if it stays up too long, maybe Harris's speed and power gets through and catches Overeem's chin. But I think the sharp money should be and is overall, I think, on Overeem for a reason here. And, and, and I'm siding with that side as well because I think there's some value. I mean, you can make a case that Overeem should be favored in this fight. Um, but again, I understand that. I mean, the, the concern here is maybe him getting caught and knocked out. And Harris is definitely explosive enough to do so. But I don't think Harris should be favored in this spot. I think it's dog or pass. I think Overeem probably is going to implement that game plan that I'm talking about. He's been fighting a little bit smarter as a whole. So hopefully he's got enough left in the tank to get this fight to the ground and then do what he does best. I mean, I'll feel bad for Harris. I don't want to kind of, I mean, all of us are kind of pulling for him, right? All of us want to see him get, you know, a W here in this spot for the most part. But at the betting window, I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. And you got to go with your money. And my money would be on Overeem at the plus money. So I'm going to pick Overeem to win. I think he gets it done and probably does so on the ground. And I feel the same way. Um, Walt Harris is a talented fighter. And he's been on a nice little run here uh, when uh, with the, the three-fight uh, win streak mixing in with the no contest. Uh, but, man, this is a tough fight because, yes – when Harris has the power to end this at any moment and he is capable of ending this fight uh, because Overeem definitely has the chin to get knocked out at any moment. Um, and that you saw that in his last fight where he was winning for about, you know, four rounds and four minutes and 50 seconds of the last round and then got knocked out in the final 10 seconds of the fight. Um, so yes, uh, Harris is more than capable of winning this fight with a knockout, but in terms of skill and uh, well-roundedness, I mean, it's Overeem by a mile. Uh, he's ahead of Harris with wrestling. He's ahead of Harris with submissions. He's ahead of Harris uh, with ground and pound. He's ahead of Harris in terms of striking technique. He's ahead of Harris in footwork. Um, I mean, the only thing that Harris has is chin strength. And even then, it's really not that much stronger. It's just that he hasn't quite taken as much damage as Overeem. But um, when 
uh, Harris gets hit hard, he can get finished too. So, I mean, you saw that against Krylov eating that head kick in uh, one of his first UFC fights. So, um, I think that Overeem can win by knockout. I think Overeem can outwork him over the course of five rounds. I think Overeem can take him down and submit him. Uh, you saw that when Harris, uh, dropped down and, uh, or on short notice, attempted to take on uh, Fabricio Verdum and he ended up uh, getting, you know, embarrassed in that fight. Uh, Verdum just immediately went to the ground and armbarred him. So uh, I'm not saying that Overeem will be able to do that in a minute like Verdum did, especially when Verdum was uh, a lot closer to, uh, you know, fighting at the, the championship level. But uh, Overeem is still a really good, talented fighter. And uh, it's, it's really going to take uh, have to take the best performance of his career for Harris to, to pick this up. Now, he did get a very quality win over Olenek in his last fight. Uh, looked great. But uh, I think, you know, Overeem is a whole different animal. Um, you know, Olenek is definitely more of a a guy that doesn't quite have that technique. And Harris was just able to crack him and, and take him out. And uh, Overeem is going to have that striking technique. He has the striking defense. Um, you know, it, it's not going to be easy for Harris to get in there and really do damage. And I think for Overeem, it's going to be easy because, uh, you know, his offensive striking in terms of uh, percentages is through the roof. I mean, he is a very accurate striker. So as long as Overeem protects his chin, he should, you know, walk away with this. But again, Harris and his power could make up, can be an equalizer at any moment, but I'm going to side with Overeem here. I think he wins possibly by submission. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC on ESPN 8. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOB Premium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. We can also notify you of our free bets via email alert if you prefer that method. Just send an email to picks at MMAOddsbreaker.com and we'll add you to our free bet mailing list. Remember to check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.